Everything is inspired by the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder of Acharya of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Our title today is His Glad Embrace. Some of you may have dogs at home, and you know every time a member of the family goes out, even to the corner grocery store, and they're gone for five minutes and returns home, those dogs have been waiting for you at the door. And when you open the door, they're so excited, their tail is wagging back and forth, they jump all over you. It's like they hadn't seen you in two months, although you've only been gone for 15 minutes. And you know they're just dogs, but it still warms your heart to see how glad they are to see you. Chanaka Pandit says we can learn certain lessons from animals, and the lesson we can learn from dogs is loyalty. Krishna has that loyalty to his devotees. Narada Muni says in the first canto of the Bhagavatam, Pragayato Shobiryani, Krishna is the greatest, the most virile, the most powerful. Tirtapada Priyashara, he's very dear to those who go long distances and visit pilgrimage places. That Lord, who people travel thousands of miles just to be in the place where Krishna enacted his pastime hundreds of thousands of years ago, Tirtapada, he comes when the devotee calls. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Just like you whistle and your loyal dog comes, Krishna is that loyal to his devotee. Knowing this, we in turn can go fearlessly into Krishna's presence. We can be assured of his glad embrace, his glad welcome. It's probably true to say that not any people in the world today would have the audacity to think that Krishna or God would be happy to see poor little old me. I mean, heck, he's the creator of the universe. Surely he's got bigger things to deal with. He wouldn't be concerned about me, would he? No, our message today is that you are Krishna's biggest deal. We're all children of Krishna, but he has special regard for those who come to the temple, for those who chant his holy names. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Krishna's devotees are his most valuable possession. Without his devotees, Krishna declares, I have no desire to enjoy my beauty and my opulences. Without the devotees, they're like ashes in my mouth. Ye vajanti tu mam bhaktya. And he has chosen your heart for his residence. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows our thoughts before we think them. He longs for us to return to him. His face lights up when he sees his devotees. He loves spending time with those who sit and sing his glories. Naham tishtanti vaikunte. He doesn't live in vaikunta. Yoginam vidayashu. Nor is he in the hearts of the yogis. Yata gyatri man bhakta tatash tishtami narada. 
wherever there are two or three or four or five or maybe 20,000 in Spanish work on the last weekend of March. <laughs> he comes, he sits down there, he makes himself comfortable. Now, if you know that Krishna loves hearing the concerns of his devotees, he loves knowing your God-centered plans, then you're not going to shrink back in fear, intimidate, feeling all unworthy. You'll go fearlessly to him. All through the day, if you honor him by keeping him first place, Krishna or God is going to become your best friend. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Hare Hare. That devotee whose name is mentioned most often, I don't know, in the Bible, does anybody know? Name that's mentioned in the Bible six times more than Abraham, Joseph, Isaac, it's David. God himself says in the Bible, David was a man after God's own heart. Now, he didn't say that David was special because he was a great warrior, special because he was a mighty king. No, just the opposite. God said that unlike other kings, David would rise before the sun to pray and sing and chant psalms of praise to God, the king of all kings, the creator of the universe. His bhajans sing of God's greatness, his goodness and his mercy, his power and his justice. David pours out his heart in these psalms and avows his sincerest, purest trust in God alone. For instance, Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is greater than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. Your names I will lift up with my hands. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell everybody of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. But so many people, they have the wrong image of God. They see him as being harsh. He's got a ball bat waiting for them to make a mistake, to slam them, knock them down further. Hey, don't come to me, man, you've done wrong. You haven't measured up. You should have known better. The thing that realizes that Krishna is not basing his welcome of you on your performance. It's not based on how perfect you have or have not lived. It's based on the fact that you're his child. Aham bijam pradapita. Not because of your good works, not because you perform flawlessly, it's because of who you belong to, because of who made you. And you have made mistakes, who hasn't? You may have gotten off course, who hasn't sometimes? Done things that you're not proud of. That accusing voice will not let us put down that baggage, let go of the past, but that voice of Maya will keep reminding us of how unworthy we are, how we don't deserve God's goodness. Look what you've done. 
You should be ashamed of yourself. You knew better. <laughs> Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita 9.30, Api, Api, Api Chetsudaracharo, Bhajate Mamanana, Sadarevasa, Samyadhyamsha. Even, that Api means even, Sudachara, not just bad, but Sudachara means really bad. Even if he commits the most abominable actions, if he is Sadar Eva if he is faithfully situated and engaged in devotional service, that person should be respected, not just respected, but should be considered saintly because he or she is properly situated. My own version of that is, even if you mess up a time or two, I won't make any complaint, just rise up again. You can still shine like a saint. Arjuna, tell the people boldly, Krishna's devotee never dies, men and women, high and lowly, everybody's equal in my eyes. Anyone who comes to me will never be denied. Bhakti Yoga will set you free, success is guaranteed, just think of me, become my devotee, and you will live with me eternally. Prabhupada says, quote, a person who is situated in Krishna consciousness and is engaged with determination in the process of chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, should be considered in a transcendental position, even if by chance or accident he is found to have fallen. The word Sadhur Eva, he or she is saintly, very emphatically. This is a warning to the non-devotees that because of an accidental fall down, a devotee should nevertheless not be derided. He should still be considered saintly, even if he's fallen down accidentally. And if one doesn't follow this rule, derides a devotee for an accidental fall down, then he is disobeying the very emphatic order of the Supreme Lord. Really, the only qualification of a devotee is to be unflinchingly and exclusively engaged in devotional service. Prabhupada gives the example of a spot on the moon. Does a spot on the moon take away from the power of the moon, the juice that the moon supplies to the vegetables, the inspiration that young lovers get when they see the moon? Did a spot or two in the moon keep anyone from getting inspired by the moon itself? Not at all. Spots on the moon are insignificant. Faults in the moonlight performance of devotional service should not be considered as a negative or as an impediment to devotional service. And probably similarly, the accidental fall down of the devotee does not make them abominable. Now, on the other hand, you shouldn't misunderstand this, okay? Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that if you're engaged in devotional service and you can do any and everything. This verse refers only to an accident due to the stronger power of material connections. Devotional service is more or less a declaration of war against the illusory energy. As long as one is not strong enough to fight the illusory energy, there may be accidental fall downs. But when one is strong enough, he is no longer subjected to those fall downs. If one does not improve in their character by devotional service, Prabhupada says, not a very high class devotee. 
Krishna sees those who are moving forward with eyes of love. But that's not going to do you any good if you don't see yourself with eyes of love. If you're down on yourself, living guilty, condemned, even though Krishna's ready to gladly welcome you, even though he's longing to be good to you, you're not going to see the goodness of God because you don't come fearlessly into his presence. You may have made mistakes. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel as if you deserve Krishna's goodness. It's kind of like you're hiding. Krishna's saying, where are you? I want you to come out. I long to be with you. I have mercy for your mistakes. I have forgiveness for your wrongs. What you've done will not stop his glad embrace. Scripture says, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Notice, to get the mercy, you have to go boldly. You won't go boldly if you think Krishna's mad at you. You won't go boldly if you think you've made too many mistakes. You lost your temper. You ran with the wrong crowd. You ruined your merit. Mercy is available. New beginnings are available, but it's not going to happen if you stay down on yourself, feeling unworthy. True, I just don't deserve to be blessed. Our message tonight is get rid of that defeated mentality because Krishna sees you through eyes of love, not holding your mistakes against you. When you come to him, he's not going to say, it's about time, I'm disappointed. What took you so long? What's wrong with you? No, he will gladly embrace you. Maybe you are hiding, thinking that you can't go to Krishna. The voices in your mind say, look at your failures, look at your weaknesses. You don't deserve it. Well, can I tell you that if you only knew that Krishna is standing before you right now with open arms, and he's not going to just welcome you. He's going to gladly embrace you. But why don't you come out of hiding, come out of unworthiness, come out of condemnation, and receive Krishna's glad embrace. Krishna, I know I'm not worthy. There's no question about that. But I want to thank you that you have made me worthy. Lord, I have plenty of faults, but I want to thank you that you're not a 16-year-old girl in Travis City, Michigan, ran away from home. She landed on the streets of Detroit, and she soon discovered there was only one way to make a living. But that life of prostitution was hard, and drugs consumed her cash. She got ill, and gradually her thoughts returned to Traverse City and the innocence of her youth. One day on an impulse, she called home left a message on her parents' answering machine. Dad, Mom, I was wondering about coming home. I'm catching a bus your way, and I should get there about midnight tomorrow. If you're not there, I'll understand, and I'll just stay on the bus to Canada. On the bus ride, the girl was consumed by fear. What if her parents hadn't got the message? What if, even worse, they did get the message and they didn't want her back? What if they no longer wanted anything to do with her? Maybe she'd have waited 
in order to have heard back from them. The bus arrived at midnight. She got off the bus, walked into the terminal, where she was not only greeted by her parents, but 40 or 50 other relatives and friends were standing there on a big welcome home banner, wearing goofy hats, blowing noisemakers and saying, this is a party for our child returning to the family. Can't you, in all of that, just see the father running out to greet that long lost daughter with arms outstretched and hands open and welcome and love. And as she later said, quote, the bottom line is that I came back to my family and God because they loved me with no strings attached. They forgave me. I thought I could do something to make them disown me, but I was wrong. That's precisely how Krishna loves us, unconditionally, arms outstretched, running towards us always, welcoming us home. Krishna knows how to gladly embrace you. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. It's going to be hard, granted, for us to fathom that God could be so good to us, even though we are so undeserving. That God will have a party when I return, not because I did something great, not because I accomplished a goal, but because Krishna, his nature is that he's full of goodness. Maybe, like this young woman, you wouldn't think that Krishna would have anything to do with you. You've gotten off course. You've made mistakes. But the truth is that Krishna has a robe of honor for you, a ring of authority. He wants not just to receive you back, but to restore what's been taken. Restore your honor. Restore your reputation. Restore your joy. Stop condemning yourself when Krishna has a huge prashadam feast all laid out for you. Don't believe those lies that you'll never be happy, you'll never be fulfilled, if you only had made better choices. It's time to arise and go to your Father. And when you do this, you can be assured of His glad embrace. Not maybe, not if He's in a good mood, not if you've never had this problem before, no, you can be sure he'll be there with open arms. He's waiting to celebrate your arrival. We feel the guilt, the condemnation that Krishna sees our failures as already covered. A devotee once sang, softly and tenderly, Krishna's calling, calling and calling for you and me. On the veranda, he's waiting and watching longing for you and me. You know what Krishna's like? He's like the loving father who welcomes his children home. That's Krishna's nature. Let's not forget it. That's the God we worship. You who are weary, welcome home. One devotee said, Long did I toil and found no earthly rest. Far did I roam and found no certain home. Till at last I sought him in his sheltering breast who opened his arms and bids the weary come. With him I found a home, a rest divine, and license them of his, and he is mine. The good I have is from his store supplied. The ill is only what he deems the best. With him as friend, 
I'm rich with nothing beside and poor without him, though of all possessed. Changes may come, I take or I resign, content while I am his and he is mine. Changes may come, but in him no change is seen. He's like a glorious sun that wanes not nor declines. He walks above the storms and clouds serene, and on his devotees inward darkness shines. While here, alas, I know but half his love, but half desert him and but half adore. But when I meet him in the realms above, I hope to love him fully, praise him more, and show and tell amid the kirtans divine how fully I am his and he is mine. Let me ask you tonight, how do you see God? Do you see him as someone who will gladly embrace you? Someone who's looking forward to seeing you? Someone who won't judge him? Or do you see him as someone hard, condemning, holding your mistakes against you? And your perception of God will have an immense impact on whether or not you're going to become everything that you are created to be. First step is to understand that Krishna loves you unconditionally. Not if you perform perfectly, but even though you've made mistakes. He has mercy for those mistakes. He gladly welcomes you. When you understand that there is nothing more valuable, nothing more important to him than his devotees, you'll put your shoulders back, you'll hold your head up high, and you'll step up to be who you were created to be. How you see your Heavenly Father is going to determine whether you run away from Him or whether you run to Him. Maybe you're staying away because you have the wrong idea of God. You're letting those lies play, saying, God won't receive me. I've blown it too many times. I'm living guilty and condemned. If you only knew who your Heavenly Father really is, you would arise and go to Him. Now we have to receive the goodness, we have to receive the mercy, and see ourselves as children of the Most High God. This may go against our natural reason, because everything in us says, man, you're a poor old sinner, you're just unworthy. The truth is, that by making even the effort to honor Him, even if you're not perfect, even if you're not pure, but if you're committed to the path, He makes you worthy. You are the righteousness of God. Not your own righteousness, but it's His righteousness. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Our encouragement is not to live with the weak worm of the dust mentality. I don't deserve Krishna's goodness. Like that prodigal girl, I brought the trouble on myself. Scripture says, where sin abounds, grace also abounds. You didn't supersede your allotment of grace. You didn't make a mistake so big that Krishna ran out of mercy. So instead of living condemned, why don't you go boldly to the throne to receive the mercy? Why? Because Krishna is waiting to gladly embrace you. Now here's the key. He won't force you to come. He didn't make that prodigal daughter come back home. That was the young woman's choice. When you take one step towards God, He then comes running 
towards you? And what would happen if we went around every day believing that God will always gladly welcome us? How much better would we live? How much more free, more secure, at peace? If we were confident that Krishna is for us, that he sees us without faults, that even when we make mistakes, he's waiting with arms wide open, ready to restore us, to get us back on track. The enemy Mayas worked overtime to try to convince people that Krishna is out to get us, that Krishna is mad at you, counting your mistakes, about to knock you down further. But can I tell you, that is not our God. And don't let the wrong image of God keep you from going to Him. I believe that when you know the character of God, when you know that He's for you, when you know that He gladly welcomes you, when you know that He sees you without fault, when you know that He comes running when you make mistakes, you're going to be strong. You're going to do great things. Well, true, I believe we make mistakes and I believe that we should do better. Yes, I agree. But you're not a finished product. Krishna is still working on you. And while He's changing you, while you're growing, you have to learn to accept yourself and not beat up yourself when you don't perform perfectly, when you struggle with the mistakes that you've made that's not a surprise to Krishna. He's the one who made you. You're on the potter's wheel. He's continuing to mold you. Stay positive towards yourself. Give yourself grace. You can't change in your own strength. Just keep honoring God. And in His own timing, He'll bring about those changes from within your heart. In the meantime, run to God, not away from Him. Don't start hiding. You can be open, transparent, and honest with God. He's not going to judge you. It's very powerful when you admit your dependence upon Him. Krishna, I'm struggling in this area. I can't overcome this on my own. Krishna, I need your help. Now that's when you'll feel a strength, a power to do what you could not do on your own. Sometimes we think if we berate people, if we rake them over the coals, if we tell them all the things they're doing wrong and make them feel guilty, then they'll change. But most people, honestly, they already know what they're doing wrong. They don't need you to tell them. But when they do hear about a God who gladly welcomes, a God who doesn't hold their faults against them, a God who shows mercy when they deserve judgment, then they'll change. So make sure you have that Krishna image of God. That He's for you. He has a great plan for your life. Don't focus on your failures. He has mercy for every mistake. He's waiting to gladly embrace you. All we have to do is our part, take those steps towards Him. No more hiding, no more living condemned, no more feeling unworthy. Go to God with boldness and receive His mercy. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama, Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna brought you here tonight. He's calling you out of hiding. He's saying, come to my house. I want to gladly embrace you. Will you receive the mercy? Will you shake off the guilt, the condemnation, the past? Put your shoulders back and see yourself the way Krishna sees you. Wonderfully and fearfully made. Worthy as well as righteousness.
Writer Tom Mullins in his book, The Confidence Factor, tells about a friend named Dana who was staying at a rehabilitation center in Florida. Dana was dealing with destructive issues in his life, so Tom decided to drive down and visit him. As he pulled into the center, Tom was directed to the barn where Dana was working. When Tom found him, Dana was standing knee deep in a pig pen with a large can of feed under his arm. He was covered in mud from impatient pigs scurrying to be fed. It was a real scene. Now, here was a successful businessman who was usually well-dressed, standing in the thick stench of a muddy pan feeding pigs on a brutally hot day. As Tom watched Dana clump through the mud, he couldn't help, obviously, think of this story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son had squandered his inheritance and found himself sleeping in a pig pen, eating with the pigs. Tom got out of the car, walked into the muddy stench, gave Dana a great big friendly hug, told him he loved him, he was proud of his efforts to get clean and sober, to know God and to work through this great challenge in his life. Eventually, Dana turned his life around, restored his marriage. Today, he runs a ministry where hundreds of people find healing and restoration through the power of God. Dana was abused as a child. He would be the first to tell you that the key to dealing with the pain and the abuse of childhood was getting your life refocused on a loving God. For years, he tried to mask his pain with alcohol and drugs. He was dealing with his hurt by himself. And that pig pen experience forced him to focus not on himself, forced him to learn once again to trust God with his hurt, with his abuse, and thereby to gain confidence and to take action and rescue things that mattered to him. And like Dana, a lot of times we get our idea of our Heavenly Father from our natural father. If your father was loving and kind, that would help you to have the right perception of God. But we probably all know people, their father was harsh, condescending, he wasn't around for them. They couldn't count on him. Don't let that negative image distort who your heavenly father is. Krishna is merciful. Krishna is loving. Krishna is forgiving. When you have the Krishna image of God, even when you make mistakes, you'll go to him, not from him like Dana, because you're assured of his glad embrace. Once you ask for his help, chant his holy names, the past is done. Krishna will never again bring up your mistakes or remind you of your shortcomings. It's a new day. I am Even one recitation of the holy names can atone for more sins than a person can commit in many, many lifetimes. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Krishna is waiting to gladly embrace you, not to judge you, not to make you feel worse, but to restore you. He has a robe of honor. He has a ring of authority. And when you really know who your Supreme Father is, you will go to Him with 
confidence, knowing that He accepts you, that He has mercy for your mistakes, that He's not in the judging business, He's in the restoring business. If you want to make your Heavenly Father proud, go boldly to the throne. Believe that you're loved. Believe that you're valuable. Believe that you're worthy. Don't let a wrong image of God keep you from the blessings, the joy, the favor that belongs to you. Krishna sees you as the apple of his eye. He's already forgiven your sins. You're welcome to go fearlessly into his presence, assured of his glad embrace. If you do this, I believe strongholds of guilt, condemnation, unworthiness are being broken right now because you know your God. You're going to be strong and do great things. Favor is coming, healing, restoration, promotion, new levels of your destiny in this life, next life. You go back to home, back to God. Thank you very much. If you receive this message, put your hands up in the air and along with me, say loudly, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.